Mark my words. The biggest moneymaker of the next decade will be companies like this one profiting from removing all the humiliating rubbish that folk like you have posted in the previous ten years. Yeah, wishing camera phones had never been invented. Yeah. Does make one feel grateful that we didn't have social media when we were teenagers. I mean, heaven knows what mother would have made of my fishgate bed feast during my formative years. Uh -huh. Welcome to episode 105 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that sometimes feels like watching 22 minutes of Corey, never mind taking notes about it, as more than should reasonably be expected, and yes, I am looking at you Wednesday. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I had a mouthful of coffee, I'm sorry. <laughs> Splendid. So professional. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. <laughs> we will be back next week. That was a tough week. It was a tough week. It was a tough week. In so, so many ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. Shall was... we preamble, my dear? <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting last night, or yesterday, because the episode, I w was able to watch Friday's episode live. I could have if mm -hmm. I wanted to, because I was, wasn't at work. It was 2.30, I was at the computer. Yeah, you picked a hell of a week to take the week off of work, didn't you? Yeah, the most depressing week in, <laughs> week in the world to take off. So I'm sitting there and I, was, and I could have watched it live mm -hmm. and I could have taken my notes because I couldn't pause it live. And I could have done all my stuff at 2.30 and been done like just shortly after 3. Mm -hmm. But I was watching Taskmaster, Taskmaster and I just couldn't bring myself to stop watching it because I was getting a little bit of joy out of Taskmaster. Right. And I didn't expect to get any joy out of Corey, which was bad on my part because Friday actually turned out to be pretty good. The, the pick of the week. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But Monday, Wednesday. Meh. Ah, oh, dearie me. See, I watch all three on the same day, so. <laughs> you watched them like 12 hours ago. Yes, yeah, so they're nice and fresh in my main. Mm -hmm. My brain. Your main? My main brain. You're, you're developing a bit of a main. I am. I My hair hasn't been this long in like 10 years. I need to cut mine as well. Mine hasn't been as long. In you say I need to cut mine. That's, I'm saying I need to cut mine. Because <laughs> you've got a little pony, I, ponytail every now and again. Yeah, I put my hair I up. I really have it long enough to do most times. As, as much as I possibly can because my hair is just so heavy on my neck. <sighs> Which is, I know, the least of the world's problems. But. <laughs> Oh well. I see Trump tweeted about it. I don't even want to talk about it. Are you, are you talking about the tweet from yesterday where... No, Tommy, you're here. He's tweeting about your hair. He's tweeting about my hair. Oh, well. That was an attempt at humour. <laughs> we can... We can dissect it later. We're sorry. <laughs> we we apologise. Already. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? No, oh, it's too early to preamble. <laughs> we need another five minutes of top top quality banter. That's what people expect. It's a hard week for banter. 
Oh, we watched Ford v. Ferrari this week, finally. We've been wanting to see that for a while now. Yeah, it was excellent. It's very good. Yeah, you uh, gave me the opportunity to include it by choosing True Grit as your movie, which gave me Matt Damon, which allowed me to choose Ford v. Ferrari. True Grit was another great movie. Yes, yes. Holds up. And who thought that young... Was it Maddie? Yes. She was Stacy in Pitch Perfect. Yes, yes. She grew up to join an a cappella group and write songs. And can it be the slutty one? No. She was the slutty one. She wasn't slutty. No, no, uh-huh. no. Haley Steinfeld, my darling, is the legacy. The one you hate. In oh, the she looks like, she's like Stacy as well. No, no, that's legacy. Oh, yeah, I hated her. Yeah. But you loved her in True Grit. She was great in True Grit. But what a horrible character in Pitch Perfect mm. 2 and 3. It's amazing what 10 years can do, huh? About 10, it must have been about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, That's 2010. True, True Grit. Yeah. True Grit in came Scotland. out in 2010. Mm-hmm. So Josh Brolin grew up to be Thanos. I don't know what that is. <laughs> He became inevitable and gained a lot of weight to do that. It's just weird seeing Josh Brolin, you know, as as this bumbling kind of idiot uh, bad guy who shoots Maddie's dad. And then, you know, 10 years later, he's the ultimate bad guy of the universe in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, that's a real fall from grace then, isn't it? (laughs) And how shy Marvel is. <gasps> Bite your tongue. Isn't else interesting happened this week? I did take the week off. You did? I kind of wish I hadn't. <laughs> it felt like a really short week because we had Monday. We had Monday off, off anyway. anyway for Memorial Day, mm-hmm. which obviously nobody did anything for. Right. But well, nobody in this house. I don't think anybody in town did either. Did they? They did the they did the flags in the cemetery. And uh, high schoolers went on their porch and played Taps or America the Beautiful or something, each one of them. And there was a recording of each one of them that was on the Community Connection. Oh, nice. The parade was canceled, rightly so. There were lots of people grumbling about that. Still people pissed off about the 4th of July being canceled. And fireworks and everything being cancelled. It's like, guys, come on. They cancelled the 4th of July already? Yeah, they did that last month. But where have I been? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right about uh, days off because um, right now, in in my position at our company, I get at least a day off whether I want one or not. And I'm always like, oh, great, I have Wednesday off. I'm going to do so many things. And then it's over before I could do even half of so many things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how the heck do I do all this stuff plus work on a daily basis? How does that happen? It's tough. Um, I'll be really happy when the kids are out of school. I think they have like one week left. Yeah, it's been kind of tough. It's been very tough. There's been kind of uh, brimming violence <laughs> <laughs> in our house for a few weeks. It kind yeah. of reached a, it reached a, a, reached a peak. fever pitch. 
midweek, which has resulted in a broken television. Yes. Not f- from the child that I expected to break the television, <laughs> I have to say. Well, you know, that particular child does have issues with anger management, especially when that child thinks that they are good at everything, and then when they lose at something, they tend to have a meltdown. So, Yes. I've never seen someone have a tantrum about not being able to make a sticky dough. But that did exist. That did happen. Yeah. Hmm. When you're told your whole life that you're perfect and you can do anything, the few times that you can't do something right the very first time, you have a midlife crisis at the age of 11. I was like that a little bit. At seven, where I got my first maths question wrong. Mm-hmm. Because for two years I didn't get any maths questions wrong. Nerd. And then I got a maths question wrong and I kind of had a fit about it. Mm. Okay, now we can preamble. Okay. <laughs> Give me some of that depressing Cory news. Cory quarantine hair update. Oh. <laughs> I really should have made a jingle for that. I that was going to be a recurring thing. Well... <clears throat> Jack P. Shepard has gone full Wolverine. Jack's beard has gone wild during the quarantine. And thanks to a comment then by Ben Price during the filming of, uh, or the taping, not really filming, of um, Sofa Cinema Club about his looks, has posted a shirtless video on Insta recreating an, a scene from Hugh Jackman's iconic role. So... I guess he's he's waiting for Hollywood to call, considering that Hugh Jackman's uh, Wolverine, spoiler alert, died at the end of Logan. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's actually a brilliant movie. I think you'd like it. <clears throat> I think it's the only X-Men, X-Men movie worth watching. Nope. To be frank. Apparently, Corey Icahn and Kirkbride has been haunting the cobbles. The actress sadly passed away in 2015 of breast cancer, but both Bill Roach and Beverly Collard say they both feel the presence of Deidre still on the set. No comment about ghosts? They don't exist. <laughs> Finally, as the soap prepares to begin filming again, older members of the cast, like Bill Roach and Beverly Collard, will be written out as a precautionary measure due to the coronavirus. Arkan has also confirmed that scenes will be about lockdown, so more room will be needed to ensure social distance between the actors and the boom and the cameras. I can't imagine this. I'd want to watch less as a country exits lockdown, which the UK is is doing Mm -hmm. far too early, in my opinion. But anyway. Yeah, well, so is America. Coming out of lockdown and then watching programmes about lockdown, it's like, do I want to think about this again before the second wave, or or what? Yeah, I. And you know, there's been arguments on both sides. There are some people who have been arguing that, you know, the world is going through this, so it would be weird to have contemporary television characters not go through this. Um, but on the opposite side. Uh, you know, immediately after 
the few 9-11 movies that were made like within the year or two after 9-11, like the one with Nicolas Cage where he played the firefighter that gets trapped underneath, mm-hmm. didn't do very well. People really didn't want to be <laughs> reminded too much of those sorts of things. It was like five or six years later that that people were ready to revisit it. So United Ninety Three came out fairly shortly after it. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these movies were good, but nobody <clears throat> wanted to see them. You know, but on the other side, lots of people are arguing. Well, during World War Two, Hollywood was making movies about World War Two and soldiers and victory and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and people flocked to them. Well, it was kind of more propaganda than anything else, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not just sure how much I want to see Coronation Street do 10 weeks worth of everyone staying at home. Hmm. It's it's escapism. Yeah. The reason you're kind of watching it is to forget about, forget life. about what's shitty in the world and what's going on in other people's mm-hmm. lives and stuff and just... But on the other hand, they deal with a lot of contemporary issues like racism and abuse and disease and murder and you know, bleaching of skin and sexual harassment. Need I go on? <laughs> so it's not really escapism because they handle so many things that are already going on in the world. Yeah, but it's happening in a fictional environment that's that you're yeah. not part of. Yeah. Where, Unless you've gone through those and, and in this fictional environment where racism can be solved, apparently. <laughs> With a free dinner. <laughs> That's Corey News. I'm having to switch hindsight corner and mailbag around. Normally we'd jump into mailbag, but I'm going to jump into hindsight corner first. (laughs) Yes, I have comments about hindsight corner about, well, we'll We'll, get to it. it. Let me get through it. No. Here's hindsight corner right now. Could Simon and Amy get married? Well, we spoke about this for a while last week and kind of got confused about it and then came to the conclusion that because Peter, Simon's dad, and Tracy, Amy's mum, are themselves siblings, that makes Simon and Amy first cousins and therefore they couldn't marry. Peter and Tracy are adoptive half-siblings, which I think we've covered before in in a hindsight corner from the past. Right. Peter's parents being Ken and Valerie, who was killed by the faulty hairdryer. Tracy's parents are Deirdre and Ray Langton. So Simon and Amy aren't blood relations and can marry, but even if they were full first cousins, they could still marry in the UK. The picture in the US is far more complicated to where it is legal in some states, allowed with some requirements and exceptions in others, and a criminal offence in others still. In Alabama, first cousin marriage is allowed, but first cousin once removed, marriage isn't, which is weird. Yeah. In Arizona, Indiana, and Illinois, first cousin marriage is only allowed if both parties are over 65 or mm-hmm. if one of them is infertile. Mm-hmm. It's allowed in Connecticut too. In Michigan, first cousin marriage is not allowed, but first cousin once removed marriage is. So Michigan is the anti-Alabama. And yeah, no, it, it's legal in Connecticut too because uh, one of my friends from high school her husband divorced her and married his first cousin after divorcing her, which is still... Ugh. Doesn't Mike Pence marry his cousin? 
don't think I, I don't know. I, I try not to think about Mike Pence and what he and mother get up to. I think he did. He calls his wife mother. That's that's as, creepy. Enough. As, as as far as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to know more. But here's the thing about Simon and Amy. As someone who has adopted siblings and, you know, adopted cousins and things like that, legal or not, blood or not, you're still related in your mind. You still grew up with these people as a member of your family. So it would still be gross. Let us not forget. Let us not forget two weeks ago. When this family sat down to watch the iconic classic movie, Clueless, that both you and our children were visibly grossed out by the fact that Cher and Josh get together at the end of that movie, even though their parents are not... They were a little closer than cousins, though. Yeah, but technically, in a way, Amy... Technically, schmechnically. No. They were, they were step-siblings. Yeah, for like a year. They were still step-siblings. And they're not step-siblings anymore. They haven't been for many, many, many years. Amy Apples and and oranges. No, no. Apples and oranges here. No, no. You can wag your finger as much as you like. This is is apples and oranges. Because remember remember how the conversation started last week in that Amy and Simon, while cousins, also share a sibling. So in a way... They're kind of siblings as well as cousins. They're step-siblings in a way as well as cousins because both of them are Oliver's siblings. And that was the, that was the thing that gave me pause and everything. It wasn't about them getting married. It was the fact that they are both cousins and step-siblings. And, <laughs> and that seems kind of tying the knot, you know, Making the family tree a little too rooted on the street. I think because you're wrong, you're uh, (laughs) deliberately reframing the question. Because the question was never, should they get married? The question was, could they get married? But that was your question, not mine. And that was the question that we were both tackling, was could they get married? And it was like, oh, no, no, I don't think they could. No. But they can. But the thing that I brought up, the thing that started the conversation was the fact of thinking, oh, my God, they're not only are they cousins, they're also kind of step-siblings. This is going to crop up again in the mailbag, just to warn you. Well, yes, I read all those. Do we really need to bring it up? You could just say thanks to blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah for bringing up the fact that yeah, they're blood relatives. kind of amusing. <clears throat> Our mailbag. Connie doesn't mention it. But she does say, thank goodness there was no mention of Yasmin and Tim's dad. Yes, I think that was taken from something. the little uh, synopsis that mm-hmm. I post against each episode. Yes, but I last week was saying, thank God there was no Yasmin or Tim's dad. Tim's dad especially. Canadian Sally was cheering. She said, good morning. Peter and Tracy aren't blood relations. Tracy is Deirdre's daughter and Peter is Ken's presumably son, Amy and Simon <laughs> could marry, though why would they? Because Simon is boring and annoying. He was so much oh. cuter before he became a teenager. Thank you, Sally. You know what? That tends to happen. People are so much cuter as children than they are as teenagers because teenagers are their worst. Preteens are the worst. <laughs> then Scott wrote in, our friend uh, at Mergy Tart on Twitter, 
took me ages to actually get around to listening to this week's podcast because, well, you saw the episodes. I wasn't keen to go through all that again. <laughs> Few thoughts. Number one, it's okay for Simon and Amy to get married even though they're first cousins. I mean, not okay, but legal. Just ask any number of inbred British royals. On top of that, Tracy is Peter's adopted sister, so there's no actual genetic links. Two, isn't Pitch Perfect a musical? I thought Gav hated musicals. Three, <laughs> this may perhaps be a thing for your other podcast, but Deirdre Barlow's name is Deirdre, not Deirdre. Or if you're Samir, Tree. I know it's pronounced that way in America, but it sounds really weird to hear the legendary Mrs. Barlow have her name mispronounced. Have a good one, and I hope this week's a bit more fun for the sake of you and me. <laughs> well, Scott, sorry about that. This week was awful. So it's Deirdre. I can't say it that way. I can't say it your way without sounding really false. And I don't run into many Deirdre's in my day-to-day life here, but the Deirdre's that I do run into kind of look at me weird when I say their name. Deirdre. 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 Because there's no A at the end of it. And the way you pronounce it kind of sounds like there is. No, Deirdre. Uh, 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 not ah, uh. Eh is an E sound, not ah. It's not dear draw. Do you know, I don't say dear draw. I say dear draw. Do you know what else is an eh. E sound? Eh. E. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there's nothing after it to make it say its name. In order for an E to say its name, there has to be an E at the end of the word. And that E is already at the end of the word. We don't say timey. T-I-M-E is not pronounced timey. Yeah, but there's a difference between an M and an R. I think that has different effects on the... We don't say tiree. We say tire. That's Deirdre. (laughs) (laughs) Then Tina got in touch and she said, in the unlikely event that no one has mentioned this to you yet, well, a a few have beat beat me to the punch, Tina. (laughs) Amy and Simon are not blood relatives because... Tracy and Peter are not blood relatives. Can adopt you, Tracy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but they're adopted siblings, so it would still be a little queasy. Don't know why I felt the incredible need to share that as the world burns. I have been behind on Corey and behind on your podcast, and catching up with you two today has been a welcome, cheering diversion. Hope oh, you and your you family so are well. Thank you so much. I, I, I assume That's that why we're still doing it. You're cheering absolutely no one <laughs> so far this week. Sorry about that. We will try better. Eventually. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Lorraine Kelly on a pedalo. Remember that? No. You don't remember that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, f- I just remembered what a pedalo is because it's it's not called a pedalo here. It's like a paddle boat. We're quite literal about it. Mm-hmm. We call it a paddle boat, not a pedalo. Yeah, this is a TV personality, Lorraine Kelly. Yes, that Gail shoots with an arrow. Upper arse. Right, right. Upper, Upper arse. arse. The plats were at a holiday camp and Gail spotted Lorraine Kelly. Funnily enough, on a pedalo, and nobody believed her because it was comedy gale at that point. I was Gavin and you were sleepy but feeling better, and we discovered that you had beautiful ovaries, although I still have no real frame of reference on that. (laughs) 
that was when we discovered it was kind of a nerve thing for your stomach it's pain. Severe, severe pain. Is that going away completely or do you still get it? Yeah, pretty much. Good. Charlie DeMello <laughs> made his Rankin Bass tweet. Thanks for finally asking. That made her weak. I'm sure I've asked you that before. <laughs> Natalie can move at astonishing speeds. Shona leaves David and Audrey punches Nick. Sally pays cash to some guy she's never met expecting a thoroughbred horse, but is left with a grey dappled old nag that they managed to lose. The horse pees in someone's shoes. Tim can't say Heracles. Rick the Chin beats the fuck out of Gary, who manages to confess to Sarah's voicemail that he was a riff ninja, a message he's later able to delete. Carla loses her mind. <laughs> we still haven't gotten back to that whole roof thing. We're in denial nobody... of Gary being announced as a supervillain. <laughs> kind of are still in denial a little nobody, bit about that. Nobody had... We still haven't had an arrest in this whole roof thing. And I don't think we ever will. I don't know how it's going to come back up again. <laughs> how could it possibly? Because even if Gary like gets done huge, for Rick the Chin. It was like this huge thing. It was like the story of the year. And it never really finished. It just petered out. And now the factory's been rebuilt and everybody's forgotten. How are they ever going to get back to this? Because I assume that they're going to. I don't know. Gary gets done for Rick, Rick the Chin's Chin. murder. But how do they make the connection between that and the roof collapse? Well, they have to find out why he murdered Rick the Chin. Is he going to say he murdered Rick the Chin because of the roof thing? Is he going to try that? I bet he does. I was so mad about Ugh. so-and-so's death. You know, that lady who's now dead. Rana. Yes, Rana. Our moment of the week was Nick's reveal of stealing the money and Gail uh, sticking up for Shona. And our boring moment of the week was Rick going off to do business in the middle of beating up Gary. <laughs> he was beating up Gary. He got a call. We're going to have to take this call. We'll be back in a little bit to finish killing you. Right. And watering my plants. <laughs> and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Ugh. Shall we dive in, my dear? Oh, please. Our first storyline today is our last storyline today. So our second storyline is Oliver's red car. Ugh. I thought his car was bigger than that. I was expecting... I thought it was like a bigger car. You know? I was expecting something so much. (laughs) I thought for sure it was like a big red, like, plastic car. Like a big one. Not like a matchbox one. Like, they're Spoiler. making a big deal about, like, this, his favorite toy in the world, and it's just... It's the most insignificant thing. It's, uh, <laughs> I guess kids do have that's the only favorite thing, things. That's like, the but... only thing Steve got his kid for his birthday? <laughs> when you say, oh, you know, that car that you got him for his birthday, the one gift you gave him for his birthday besides that creepy cake with you and Tim as the Hulk. Tim, who's getting remarried, and you're his best friend, but you're not the best man. <laughs> Taking a little diversion away from the red car, haven't we? Anyway, let's... Anyway. <clears throat> Nick, Leanne, Tracy and Steve are waiting outside Oliver's room. The doctor comes out and says that they've lowered the sedation and the seizures have stopped, but it'll be a little while before he wakes up and they can see him. Everyone apart from Nick takes this news like the doctor has said Oliver will be fine. And she didn't say that. No, no, she didn't. 
Back at the flat, Simon and Toya are still worried, so Toya decides to take the morning off to take Simon to Roy's Rolls. Big wows. Mm-hmm. Back at the hospital, Steve is worried where Oliver's red car has got to. It's his favourite thing. He plays with it all the time. Does he, though? Off camera. Does he? Off camera. Nick reckons it's back at the flat, so offers to go look for it, and he gives Tracy a lift home while he's at it. She's got delivery to make, she claims. There's no delivery. It is, is, is it, and this is was was it during all of this that there's the amusing thing about Tracy's coffee that they haven't put cream in, so she gives it to Leanne, and Leanne says this isn't coffee. It's oxtail, oxtail soup. soup. And so she doesn't Steve want it either. It. And then Steve drinks it. I chose not to mention that. Would you believe? <laughs> At Roy's Rolls, Liz is quizzing Nina on the freshness of her cakes, which Nina takes like exception that. to. What does it say in the sign? Fresh, Fresh cake. cakes. Says <laughs> like, oh, I don't really appreciate your attitude. But it's Nina's 18th birthday. Yeah, she's got a ribbon. Mm-hmm. A red ribbon. Why on earth is it red? <laughs> Why is it not black? <laughs> it seems Liz wants to take the cake to Oliver. And Toya points out that Oliver is in a coma and will have a feeding tube for some time. Liz was just trying to do something nice, she says. I know, says Toya, but not cake. <laughs> Which I quite enjoyed. Toya's like, Liz... She works in a hospital. Well, medical she, center. She Yeah, she works in medicine. She's not a doctor, obviously, or anything. No, she's a receptionist. But, but still, she sees people. She she gives people their notes and everything and says, okay, well, the doctor says not to do this, not to do this, and come back in five weeks. She should know better. Yeah. I don't know why she's been unnecessarily dim here, but... But she has, and Toya's takedown of her, I thought was quite expert. Yes. Yeah, good idea, but... Maybe not. Maybe not cake. So Nick is home, frantically looking for the red car. Simon reveals that it might be in his football bag, because apparently Oliver likes to hide it there. His favourite thing. He likes to hide? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Kids, kids do like to, you know, it's his most treasured possession, so... Apparently, he likes to use it as a garage for his cars. Like, he'll which open again, it up and drive it in. Which, again, gives me the idea that this is something a little bit grander. If the football bag, which is kind of over your shoulder, right. rucksack type like thing. Like a duffel. Right, it's, it, it's probably big enough to uh, contain a car. Maybe. maybe I'm going to have to watch that birthday scene again because I could have sworn the car long. was bigger. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to film. A small car being given as a gift. Right. Nick, like Liz, was just trying to do something useful, and then Simon returns with a red car, and it's, like you said, it's just a little matchbox thing. So tiny. Gail joins Liz at Roy's Rolls. Liz feels so useless. Gail tells her to join the club. Liz is surplus, surplus to requirements, she says. It never stops, says Gail, who suggests that they get back in the ring and get ready for round two. Thanks, Gail. And then Liz gives Gail... The Eccles cake. The Eccles cake, because Gail is the only person on the street who likes Eccles cake, so besides Oliver. <laughs> Do we know that Oliver likes them? Well, evidently he does. If Liz is buying them for her grandson, she's she's not going to buy him cake that he doesn't like. Mm. She, she'd buy a, a different cake, wouldn't she? It's hilarious, Gail, calling back to that episode. Do you remember that episode where she tries to introduce her grandchildren to Eccles cakes and they don't like it? Vaguely. I do remember. I, I, I love the callback, though, to such a mundane thing. Mm-hmm. 
Nick gets back to the hospital and hands a card to Steve. Oliver still isn't waking up, but Nick notices his eyes flickering, and then he does wake up. Nick goes off to get the doctor. I have a shortcut now on my keyboard mm-hmm. for Nick goes off to get the doctor. Ah. Steve and Leanne are indulging in baby chatter to Oliver, who doesn't seem to be interested in them or his precious red car. Leanne becomes increasingly distressed when Oliver doesn't respond to her command of, look at the car. Look at the car, Oliver. Oliver, look at the car. What happened to that lion that he was supposed to be the first thing he saw? Both of them are at the foot of the bed because he's got a small one and a large one now. Yeah. Two lions. Yes, because Tracy and Liz could only find a giant lion at the gift shop. Yeah, this is later, I think. Yeah. And then Nick goes off to get the doctor again. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, Leanne is determined to get Oliver to look at something. Look at the car or look at mummy. But look at something. And Oliver's just kind of looking, looking at, at the, the side. And, right, He's looking no, at just... the wall. He's looking at something. The doctor comes in and says his brain might be fuzzy. He's just come round and tells him to get lost and get something to eat while they do some more tests. Then Liz and Tracy arrive at the hospital, Tracy armed with a stuffed lion. Leanne and Steve explain that the doctors think Oliver might have brain damage. Liz thinks positivity is what's called for. There's always hope until they know what's wrong for sure. Then a doctor arrives and takes Steve and Leanne away for a word. The doctor is very concerned that Oliver isn't coming round and it seems that there have been that there has been some damage to his brain. He's having trouble with his vision recognising objects. Thanks to Lizzie's pep talk, Leanne deliberately doesn't pay attention because the doctor refuses to be 100% and suggests that there may be an improvement in the coming days. Right, so there's a chance, says Leanne, and she seemingly happily leaves the room, leaving Steve to ask the doctor if the damage is likely to be permanent, and the doctor says there's a very high chance that this is the case. Back at Oliver's bed, and Leanne is now painfully looking on the bright side, talking about going on holiday when Oliver's back to his normal <laughs> self. Steve tries. Steve. Yeah. Steve and Leanne, I'm assuming, and also Tracy and Nick, like the whole family is going to go on holiday yeah. together. Tracy's never going to go Who's going that. on holiday with Tracy? Well, Liz and Tracy went on holiday together, remember that? And they didn't kill each other. Yeah. Steve tries to temper this with some realism. Leanne says that she's well aware of the situation, and at this, Oliver wakes up again and says mummy, and so now Leanne and Steve are both convinced that he's going to be fine. Liz... Tracy and Nick are happy to hear that Oliver said mummy. Liz wants to know what the doctors think, but Leanne no longer cares. Her wee boy will be home soon. And Nick and Steve look at each other and vaguely gesture to grabbing their collars. <laughs> then on Friday, Nick and Leanne are fussing over Oliver. You know, I think the reason that it's weird that people are talking to the kid now is because no one said fuck all to this kid since he was born. No. So people actually talking to Oliver now just mm. seems strange. Oliver's still looking off to the side, looking disinterested. Then in comes Steve, and Oliver is smashing it, he says, and Leanne wants him to go home. He'll be happier there. And guess what Nick is asked to do? Go get the doctor. Go get the doctor. Later, the doctor comes in and tells him that they can go home. Nick worries that, that Nick worries that it's safe. But Leanne thinks he'll be good as new in a few weeks, even before the diagnosis of what's wrong with him comes right. through. Right, yes. They still don't have a diagnosis yet. So Oliver's home and he's got a massive load of meds with him. It's going to be a full-time job looking after him as he still seems to have a tube in him. Leanne isn't going back to work and seems to refuse to offer help from Steve and Simon. She can look after her own son. Or, Thank or, you very much. Or Nick. Yeah, even Nick's kind of frozen out. Yeah, she's going to do, be, do it all. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Ugh. He ain't dead. Not yet. It's a coming. <laughs> you still think it's a coming? It's a coming. That child will die. 
Let's be me cheerful. Sure you'll be laughing about that. <laughs> He's make believe. He's pretend. Right. He's not a real child. And also, we have no emotional attachment to him. <laughs> right. He was born a joke. He will die a joke. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, certainly born a joke. I conceived a joke. It's the whole red car thing. <laughs> you know, I don't even think he's old enough for a matchbox car. That's still a choking hazard, isn't it? He's four. I think it's three and under that you have to worry about. But still, that's like his most prized possession. Because they have another car, remember? When Nick is there and he's smashing the cars together and he's saying, is he saying Kablooey or is that Steve? Is Kablooey Steve or is that Nick? It's Bamo or... Uh, I, I couldn't muster the energy to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. There's some funny patter between Nick and, and Steve about the sounds I think the Nick sounds was Kablamo, me. I think. Yeah. Which is rubbish. You know, and he's got a blue car and then the special red car. And, and I'm trying to think. What was your... Your your most prized toy was, was Snoopy, yes? No, it was a roll of carpet. It's my lucky carpet. What? This lucky uh, remnant roll end of a carpet that I used to carry everywhere. <laughs> Do you know where I got it? What? <laughs> I got it from the market. From the block that sells carpets. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just stealing Bob Morris more stick. It was Snoopy. He was, uh, he was a, like a constant in my life. I don't remember a time where I didn't have that Snoopy, Snoopy doll. Yeah. Not a doll. He's a, a stuffy. Stuffed, to yeah, stuffed he's, toy. He's plush. He's a plush toy. We still have him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he went through some... Some good times and some bad times. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he'd be my prize possession. I don't know if I had one. Mm. I had lots of toy cars mm -hmm. that I crashed into each other and, and raced kind of like the marbles. Right. I had a Starskin Hutch car that was much bigger than Oliver's red car. That was my prized possession for at least uh, probably a year until Gary Webster sat in it. <laughs> And broke it. What? Fucking Gary Webster. <laughs> I'm actually friends with Gary Webster now. <laughs> he he sent me a, a message like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, asking if I'd heard from another friend. Mm -hmm. And I said I hadn't, but I, of course I remember you, Gary. And let's, let's be friends now. He was the one that was, uh, he's trapped in Slovenia or Slovakia. Mm -hmm. But his wife's, he was visiting his wife's family. He's stuck in a cabin. In, in the, Slovenia. Somewhere in Eastern Europe. Yeah, probably the safest place in the world to be yeah. right now. Quite frankly. So yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so that's like yeah, I don't know. The the one thing that I do have from my childhood is that Snoopy. Right. So does that make it a prized possession? I don't, know. I don't really care about <laughs> it. It just kind of follows me around now. Yeah, I think my prized toys were my. My Little Ponies, and I've got I still got a couple of those up in our room. I've got Firefly and um, 
lemon drop up there. There's still quite a few of my stuffed toys around the house. I think Stella's got most of them. But, I mean, our, our kids have had like a million little wee toy cars. I can't think of a single one that was like so very special to them. Well, the, the, garage the, full of them downstairs. The, the, the show's just... Just trying. It's so guilty of trying to create a backstory for this child that we know nothing about. Right. That he's oh, so active. Yes. Always so active. And this is his prized possession. Running all over the place. Right. Yeah. Doing chemistry experiments and <laughs> writing writing letters to the Times. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't named that toy car like George or something. Mm-hmm. I bet he has. But nobody knows the name of that toy car <laughs> that he hides in Simon's football bag. He's trying to get rid of it. That's what he's trying to do. I think <laughs> he's trying to get rid of it. So like at the time I asked my mum for English mustard because she used to buy French mustard all the time, what we would call Dijon mustard. Uh huh. So I asked her to get English mustard, and she got English mustard. And if you've ever had English mustard, you would know it's very much not Dijon mustard. No, it's very different. Really, really just hurts your nose. It's so strong. And I'd made such a big deal of it <laughs> that I, I couldn't be seen to not eat it. So I took it down the back between the garage and the hut and I buried it. <laughs> and did a mustard tree grow? No, it was still in the ball. <laughs> but the, the, the mustard and the bottle got buried. And my mum noticed that the English mustard had disappeared really quickly and thought, oh, you must really love it. And so she, <laughs> she bought, bought more. more. <laughs> anyway, oh. have we got through enough personal reminiscences to indicate that we've milked as much as we possibly can Absolutely. out of the Oliver's Red Car story? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I cared. Me too. I don't. Yeah. Next up. I think I'd care. I think I'd care more, even if it was Harry. I think we've seen more of Harry than we've seen of Oliver. Even. Yeah, probably. Because Harry was the one who ran through the Christmas village when there was a insane man with a gun. Remember? And it was Harry who, you know, walked his mum down the aisle and you said, <laughs> why is Oliver there? But what does that tell you? Well, it tells <laughs> you that I can't keep track of what kids what on the street, <laughs> which I don't think is particularly my feeling alone. <laughs> but <laughs> You forgot Sarah had a child named Harry. Well, <laughs> so does the show. There are times when, if you were to think of, if you were to watch the show, always asking yourself the question, who's looking after that kid? <laughs> I, I would wager that half the time it's unknown. That the, the kid is just forgotten about for that it's, period of time. It's it's like Ben in Friends. Like the first season of Friends, Ben is born from, from you know, and it's hilarious because Ross's wife... From Carol's vagina. Yes. And it's hilarious because Ross's wife is a lesbian now and isn't that hilarious? And it's so funny to see the three of them there giving birth to this child, although mm-hmm. Carol is the actual one giving birth to this child yeah. and lesbians are so funny 
Then you don't see him for years, and then you for see him again, and you're like, holy shit, what the <laughs> fuck happened to Ben? And then when Emma is born, Rachel and Ross go off and live their lives, and it's like, <laughs> didn't you guys just have a kid? <laughs> and then, you know, when the twins are born, that's when you know it's like the last season, because... Oh, that was the last episode, really, wasn't it? No. Yeah, it was the last episode that they brought the twins home. Was it? Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to talk anyway. about this anymore. Let's but talk still, about, let's talk about what, the Baileys. This is what TV shows do. They don't give a fuck about babies. Between birth and, like you said, like 10, 11. Right. You might as well not exist. Unless you're hoping, Ruby. <laughs> yes. Baileys better days. On Monday, the Baileys are arguing about whether peanut butter should be called nut spread. Ray Weinstein comes in to ap- apologise for Why last night. Why is it called butter if there's no butter? <laughs> what? This, is, this episode was going to be called nut spread. And it kind of tied in with an episode from last year called Nut Juice. I remember Nut Juice. The show likes to get a, a cheeky little nut pun yeah, yeah, out does. there. Roy... Roy? Ray Weinstein comes in to apologise for last night. Don has been fired, as we predicted. Yes. And he praises Ed on his work at the bistro, and the two men shake hands. Ray offers him a free family meal at the bistro, and Aggie's pleased that that's racism sorted out now. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny when she said that. Well, we've solved racism. (laughs) Hooray for us. Right. (laughs) Their posters are going to be Uh... plastered onto walls and... Michael is on the phone to Grace. It seems Grace may be melting a little bit for Michael. James also seems to be in a better frame of mind, building bridges with his dad and thinking about coming out properly. I'm not gay. Ed and Aggie are having lunch in Roy's Rolls. Aggie's very pleased with Ed's handling of the racism and the homophobia. At least Dee Dee doesn't give them sleepless nights. Are we ever going to see Dee Dee or is she going to be like Maris? Didn't... <laughs> Or, um... Vera. <laughs> the only time we see Vera in Cheers, she has a uh, cake smashed in her face. Smashed in her face. Or, uh, what's his name's mum on uh, Big Bang Theory? Oh, Howard's... Howard's mum. Howard's mum, until she died. Until she died. We saw her briefly, like, you can see, like, this... Shape moving, right. Yes, yeah, this big, large shape. It's because the actress who did her voice... She wasn't fat. No. No. James is chatting with Tommy O in the changing rooms. Uh, another player. I think he's called Waz. Or Wes. <laughs> Waz. Let's go with Waz. He makes a joke about the two of them going out together. Tommy says there's no place for a homophobic banter, not even if it's high quality patter like that. James tells Waz that he must be out of his fucking mind. Tommy is so not James's type. And the dressing room laughs and James seems vindicated by this. Mm. Sorry, big man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Wednesday, Tommy and James are in the Rovers chatting over the events from earlier. Tommy thinks that James had played a blinder here, but James is now too consumed about that he's not going to get into the squad for tomorrow, and Tommy tells him not to worry about it. And then and then Kirk walks in and says, Do you remember me? Do you remember when I was your your uh Here's the mascot. Mascot? Why doesn't he do that anymore? Did he get fired? Or did he quit? I think he'd taken the role as far as he could. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to leave it for, for a younger generation to <laughs> carry the torch. 
at home, James isn't listening when Michael complains about his love life. James is still worried about. Uh, James is still worried that coming out to the lads earlier meant that he won't get a game this weekend. In comes Ed and Aggie, excited for the meal that they're going to have and the football tomorrow, where Weather County could achieve finishing higher in the league than they've done for years. Huzzah! What a milestone that is. Hmm. A little on the vague side. Yes. At the bistro, Michael gets a call from Grace and then James gets a call from the team. Ed thinks James might have picked a better time to come out, but James comes back to the table. He's made the starting lineup. Yay! Phew. So James and Michael are at Dev's now, and in comes Kirk, and he sings a terrace song about James, a positive one that I will not recreate here. Oh, he sings, um... It's, it's Hey, I Just Met You by uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, only with James Bailey mm-hmm. plugged into it. Seems James has had an impact on the last game and pushed County up the league to their highest position in years. Huzzah! James reveals that to celebrate, he's going to take Michael on vacation. Michael manages to turn the conversation round to Tiana and Grace again. And then Grace drops off Tiana with Michael. He has plans to take her on the trams. Uh, Tiana, that is. And then he asks Grace out for a drink, to which she eventually agrees. Then comes James announcing that he's booked a holiday to Marbella. Grace seems initially put out by the fact that Michael has spare money until James points out that it's his treats. In that case, He's it's paid. fine. Right. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Uh-huh. What do you think about the kind of blending of these two storylines? Because this, this is what they've done. These storylines, I think, are impossible to separate. What, the homophobia and, and the racism? And the racism in one go, yep. Yeah. And the fact that... It feels like something's getting short-shrifted here, doesn't it? It seems like everything's getting (laughs) short-shrifted here. And who knows? Maybe they'll they'll continue it in some way. Maybe now that James is out, somebody's going to... Somebody at an actual match. Do you think we're ever going to get to see him play? No. (laughs) No, because they don't have a... They don't don't have the inside of a soccer stadium... (laughs) to film in surprisingly no for all those scenes at a football match <sighs> they don't have a set built for that no just the outside interestingly the times where we do see the outside of the ground it's Bury FC's gig lane that yeah. they use and they play in blue so all the doors round about the stadium all the turnstiles and everything everything, everything that's paintable has been painted blue and why the county playing green. Correct. Always amuses me. Yeah. Because I think Chris, yes, that one, wrote in to tell us that... I remember that. The closest ground of a team that play actually in green is Plymouth Argyle, which is like 300 miles away or something. Uh. <laughs> Interesting facts again. So it kind of feels like we're closing the door on this... Issue storyline a little bit. A little bit. The racism's gone away. James has come out. I don't think we've closed the door Ramifications to that, perhaps? There will be ramifications. And also, we still have this whole Michael and Grace thing. And I'm wondering, you know... That's good. I just want them to split this up into their own... Nope, the Baileys only get one (laughs) storyline. They're only allowed one. Split it up into... Give some focus to it, because both of these things have really felt very rushed. I think I complained about this last week. 
Yes, you did. And so did uh, so did Scott. On all five things. Yes, he did. Yes. Which means that I was doubly right then. Why? Right. He was. He was even more annoyed than we were. Shall we move on? Please. <laughs> Gemma's vlog. On Monday, Kathy and Gemma are at Roy's Rolls. Kathy is trying to convince Gemma to post her vlog. We're in another one of our predictions comes true. But Gemma thinks that she looks a mess and she's worried about going viral again like that time she got stuck in the turnstile. At home, Gemma's looking at her vlog when Chesney comes in. She doesn't want Chesney to see it, but he nags her for a bit and she finally shows him it. Insisting, though, that it remains private. On Wednesday, Chesney thinks that <clears throat> the vlog is excellent. Gemma reminds him that this isn't for broadcasting, but one of the babies is sitting in Chesney's lap and manages to hit something on the laptop, the publish this vlog button <laughs> on the laptop. And wouldn't you know it, uh, that's it. It's, it's online. And we predicted that that would happen last week. Did we predict that a baby would have done it? Uh, at one point, so. yes, yes, we did. We were like, oh, somebody's, you know... You know, somebody's going to get all uppity and say, no, this is brilliant, and publish it behind her back. And I said, no, what's going to happen is that somebody's going to be watching it, and a baby's going to accidentally <laughs> publish it. I don't think we were that specific. Maybe we were. Rather, I mentioned babies. Rather than publish it again, Chesney hands over the baby, closes the laptop, and fucks off to work. Right. Nobody's going to know. She's not going to notice. <laughs> Later, a distressed Gemma comes into the kebab shop, pissing all over Chesney's new Argentinian-themed kebab called the Maradona. Gemma needs to speak with Cathy urgently. She's only gone and posted that bloody and video. again, we get another dick joke. Do we? Yes, because uh, Chesney says to Gemma, uh, you want to see a big one? And, and Gemma says, I don't have time for that, Chesney. And he's like, no, it's a sandwich. Oh. Dick jokes. <laughs> Keeps Corey going. Since 1960. I'm sorry, the the Bailey's thing, that wasn't technically a dick joke. That was a nut joke. Yeah. A ball sack joke. Not a ball sack joke. Uh, it was a testicle joke. It was a testicle joke. And <laughs> thank you for, for motioning Very holding melons balls. or coconuts. Very large balls. She's only going to post that bloody video. Chesney is forced to come clean and he blames the baby. Chesney wants to know if Gemma really wants to take it down. This anonymous vlog that was posted without ceremony has apparently got some positive comments already from women in Gemma's position. And how, also men who how, think she has good boobs. Once again, the, the SEO game of everyone that, on the street is just so on point. Well, you know, everybody's in lockdown, so <laughs> to find things to amuse them. Try and get comment. Just try and get comment. It's so difficult to get comment. Well, we don't really do videos. Maybe if we did videos. We got a lot of comments on uh, on that picture that we posted in our uh, Evelyn masks. Did we get comments or likes? I think we just got likes. I think we got comments as well. <coughs> in fact, uh, um, that that uh, that Twitter uh, person. Who pretends to be Evelyn on the Twitter made comments this morning saying, "No, oh, as long as she was more popular than than Gail." Than Gail. Yes. 
So, back at home, Gemma's making another video about babies farting in the bath and clinging on their finger and stuff. You always have to look on the bright side, she says. That's as far as we get with that. Ha ha! You enjoying the Gemma's vlog storyline? Uh, it's, it's better than some of the other storylines they've given Gemma, so... It's a little annoying that she's flattered that men are saying, ho ho, she's got good boobs. Yeah, that's totally Gemma, though. Yeah, but still. She's like, it, it's the highlight of her week that somebody posted. And she says this in the, in, the, in the second video blog she makes with Chesney. Saying, you know, when he's like, what's the good thing that happened to you this week? She's like, well, apart from men on the internet saying that I have good bazookas. You know, which is only going to make it worse. <laughs> oh, boobs. <laughs> Actually, Beavis and Butthead have got hold of the video. <laughs> boobs. You can't even see her boobs. You can't even see, like, because it, it cuts, like, right here. You can see her shoulders. She's got nice shoulders. I just take exception right. to the fact that this has gained any traction whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, it, it really sticks in my craw. It was posted in the morning. By lunchtime, apparently, it's got all these likes and uh, all these comments. On, well, on, like a, on a vlog where. Let's be fair. There are three. Which is still three too many. <laughs> and it's in a, it's a video that, as far as we know, is essentially her complaining about fresh goes. Yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Who the fuck's looking at that? Oh, this reminds me, though, because we were talking about Evelyn and and our masks. I wore my Gale mask yesterday when I was out, and uh, the kid who worked the counter at the uh, M50 party store, he complimented it. He said, I really like your mask. Really? And I said, thank you very much. I did not ask him if he knew who it was, but... (laughs) He liked it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Did I tell you my Lemmy story? Which one? <laughs> I've got a thing about Lemmy. You do have a thing about Lemmy. It's worrying. <laughs> I was sitting in Abies before. Way more months. Before ago, all this months happened. Months and months. Just actually. February. In the, in the run up to yeah. you know, all this being happening. And I'm watching his video of, he takes down the British uh, game show 321 and mm. goes through it and just rips it apart. And I'm sitting watching it at the bar. And I, I quite like sitting at the bar on my own. Yes. Not next to anyone. I can right. just yeah. put my earbuds in. I can watch whoever I'm watching. Uh-huh. Which you could very uh, easily do at home, but never mind. And this guy sits next to me. I'm like, oh. Why do people have to sit next to me right. and start conversation? But he didn't yeah. start conversation, but he did gl- glimpse down at my phone. Uh-huh. He said, oh, is that Lemmy? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes. The fuck did you know that? <laughs> Just not know Lemmy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that was my hilarious Lemmy story. Uh-huh. <clears throat> <laughs> what were we talking about? Gemma's boobs. Why was I talking about Lemmy? Because I because the kid at the M50 party store complimented my Gale mask. Right. Interesting. Yes. They are good masks. And I'm the artwork soft. is absolutely amazing on absolutely. it. I love it. It's that Greg's art. Yes, Greg's art. 
Check it out. At, uh, under, Greg's underscore art. Greg's underscore art, yeah. Our next storyline today is Asha's latest devastating storyline. <laughs> just one Just on Friday. Bit. Yep. Devs found details of some internet company that can make it more difficult for certain things to show up in search engines. Asha doesn't really want to talk about it, and Adi 2.0 thinks it's too late. Asha wishes people would just give Stop up and talking stopped talking about, about it. it if you stop talking and I'm not thinking about it. Right. Dev is now worried that Asha is being bullied at school because of this. Dev, Evelyn, Mary, Michael and James are discussing social media at the grocers. Evelyn thinks that there's money to be made from deleting embarrassing stuff online because everyone's going to be needing it. Mary is just grateful that she didn't have a camera phone when she was growing up. Heaven, <laughs> heaven knows what mother would have made of her fish gape bed fees during her formative years. I don't even want to know. I had to put the subtitles up to get what Mary said there. So fish gape. So I think it's like making that kind of, you know, that funny wee fish pout thing that you do when mm-hmm. you take a photograph of yourself. Duck face. Yep. Whilst lying in bed. I think a bed fee is a selfie mm-hmm. when you're in bed. It's what I assume. So she's assuming that she would be doing that. When she was a teenager, had she, she had, had a, a camera phone. phone. Okay. So she's not even making comment of the things that she actually did get up and do, which, as we've known, Mary and her stories, mm-hmm. was a lot of interesting things. Right. So it's weird that that's, that's the direction they took that line. Heaven knows what mother would have thought about that. Mm. Then Dev is in the shop and he gets a call from where they high. Addy 2.0 is in the headmaster's office. He's got himself into a fight with ITV Corey. <laughs> I don't know if I didn't do that weeks ago. Uh, so, oh well. so Dev is with the, hi- the head... The headmaster. So Dev is with the headmaster. ITV Corey claims that he did nothing to provoke Addy 2.0, but this is the third violent incident, says the headmaster. Dev asks, well, what have you done as a school to do something about this situation with Asha? It seems that all they've done is handed out a pamphlet on e-safety, and the headmaster kind of grabs his collar a little bit. Didn't they have, like, an assembly about it as well? Yeah, just to draw attention to it, about being safe online and stuff. Well, right, yeah. And that's as yeah, far that's as we get with that. That was, I think, our penultimate storyline. Oh, no, it wasn't. We're going to about to talk about a penultimate storyline. So, yeah, I don't we know have at least two more stories, why so. Dev is refusing to let it go. Let this go. And let his go. refusal to let it go, I think, is what is firing Addy 2.0 up. Yeah. Yeah, because Ash is just like, just stop talking about it and stop worrying about it. And, you know. It Asha. may not go away, away. And it won't. But it will go away for her, for the most part. Because Nina was right. Yeah. This isn't going to go away. Just own, own it. it. And Asha seemed to take right. an awful lot of heart from that. Absolutely. And every time Dev does this Dev thing, he's kind of chipping away at that a little bit. Right. He's, he's refusing to let it just go. Be, be something that happened that Asha... Fully owns. She's learned from and moved on. Right. Yeah. Keep on digging it up and digging it up and digging it up. And I can see from a parent's point of view that mm. you'd, you'd want to be seen to be doing something positive about it and trying to fix things because your instinct is to Right. But you know what? It. You know what you do? You quietly fix it. You quietly, you know, hire this company to scrub it as much as possible. You don't tell your kid that that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because your kid's been through enough. 
You do what you can to scrub it as much as possible and to move on. And as Andy 2.0 said, the horse is kind of bolted here. It's on people's phones. Right. You can't do anything about that. It's like when Snapchat first came out and people said, oh, this is great. You can do whatever you want because it disappears in like five seconds. And it's like, well, it disappears from Snapchat in five seconds, but people can record it on their phones and copy it from Snapchat. So Mm -hmm. it still never goes away. Yeah. (sighs) Our next storyline. Tim's fucking dad. Fuck him. On Friday, Alia's in the jail visiting Yasmin. Oh, I hated this. Oh, she looks kind of broken a little bit. She looks really broken. She's like bent over and mm-hmm. she's she's like a mouse. She insists that she's fine. Alia wants to hear about what happened with Tim's dad, but Yasmin is reluctant to talk about it and says that what she did was wrong. Alia can't believe this and she says that she knows Tim's dad was abusing her for months and made her scared for her life. But it doesn't sound like Yasmin is going to bring any of this up in court and then she runs back to the cells when Alia tries to push it further. Alia shouldn't have pushed it. No. She should have, you know, when when Yasmin said, you know, I've gone through this over and over again. I really don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about you. How are you? Alia should have told her about her mm-hmm. and how she was and what she's been doing and about her relationship with Ryan. You know, just little stuff. And then try and bring the conversation. Right. Around. Yeah. Rather she just, forces This is the it. only thing that we can talk about. But then... It's like every character on this show has no understanding about broken and damaged people. Because everybody seems to want to force people to do their will and doesn't seem to care about these other people. Well, as a, we will see in our final storyline as well. Very much a carbon copy of this scene, mm. just in a different, Correct. <clears throat> different environment. Meanwhile, Tim's dad has in been... In a different prison. Yeah, has been discharged from hospital. Tim is there to pick him up. Oh, it's... No, Tim's dad there to pick him up. He gets off the bus. No, no. Or a taxi or something. Tim drops Steve off at the hospital. And it seems that, by coincidence, Tim's dad is ready to come home. And get on a bus or something. And so Tim brings him home. He didn't tell anyone that he was being discharged. Tim is looking forward to celebrating Tim's dad's 70th birthday, but Tim's dad just wants to get home. Not at Tim's, at home, and then put all of this behind him. Yeah, he's got a, he's still got a bandage. A massive bandage, you want to get the air into that. Yeah, you know why that massive bandage is there? Because they don't want to pay for the makeup to make a huge (laughs) scar there. They have paid for the makeup though, for the bit where the (laughs) bottle hit him on the side of his face. I thought, what's that brown? He's got brown on him. Where did that brown come from? To all like, that's a bruise. It's like uh, um, Gary's jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lovely, delicious jam. All over his face. Tim and Tim's dad are back on the street, but Tim's dad's having problems with the key in the lock. And Alia and Ryan are inside and they come to the window and they basically stick their thumbs on their noses, <laughs> waggle their fingers, blow raspberries and tell Tim's dad to get to fuck. They've changed the locks. That this, was hilarious. This is my house, says Tim's dad. Yes, says Alia. No, it isn't. Well, it's my grand's too. They mock- no, it's, it, no, she says, it's not your house. It's my grand's house. His name's not on that mortgage. They mock Tim's dad about him being a shape magician and being abusive, and Tim doesn't like this one little bit and doesn't, like, doesn't enjoy hearing his dad being spoken of in these terms. And Sally comes round the corner and tries to intervene as Tim threatens to shoulder down the door, which Ryan... <laughs> 
just eggs are one. I'd love to see you doing that big man, he says. Mm-hmm. Sally says this isn't helping and she drags that and she drags Tim and Tim's dad back home. They're going to get the police involved, shouts Tim. Well, bring it on, says Alia. Go ahead. So back at Tim and Sally's, Tim's called the police much to Tim's dad's anger. Mm-hmm. Sally and Tim argue about this and about Tim's language calling Yasmin mad while Tim's dad excuses himself to the other room where he looks at his invisible camera on his mobile phone. The cops did not find that camera? No. Seriously, the cops didn't find it when they were going to that house. They did not find this fucking camera. This is bullshit. 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 And he watches Ryan and Alia chatting back in the house. I'm surprised he's still got his phone. No, because didn't didn't they make a big show of the phone being taken and put in a bag? I don't remember seeing that, but I remember you mentioning it at the time during that episode. So the police did take the phone. They gave him it back. Isn't it evidence? I don't know what it's evidence of, but or maybe it was Yasmin's phone that they she put in a bag. She doesn't have a phone. Well, she has a phone. Tim's dad took it away from her. Maybe they found it, but wouldn't they have... Uh, I don't know. I don't even care anymore. I'm a, Fuck them. Uh, Fuck them all. <laughs> I'm a little confused. I don't fucking care. I did enjoy that scene, though. With the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. <laughs> Stick your head in doo-doo. Oh, I'm not <laughs> familiar with this work. <laughs> I kind of got the impression again that Sally is still she's not 100% team Tim's dad no. on this well you know I mean there's plenty she's overheard and overseen some things that trouble her plus she is a woman who was wrongfully accused of things and thrown into prison so there's empathy there mm-hmm. it's just a hard because it's Tim is her, well, not even her husband, really, not yet. Just, partner. Tim is her partner, and Tim's dad is Tim's dad. Mm-hmm. I can see this, uh, I think this, this isn't really helped by the, the format that we're in at the moment, where everything's taking twice as long to play out. Right. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of get the sense that we're on the cusp. Oh, God, I've said this so many times. I know. I, again, it feels like we're on the cusp of this coming to a conclusion. But you know what? I think everybody feels that way because, like, every week people are writing articles about it and have we finally gotten to the end and so-and-so reveals something to so-and-so and he's finally going to get his cup up and then it just doesn't happen. An <sighs> awful lot of column inches seem to be given to, uh, to what people on Twitter seem to think yeah so they'll concoct a storyline that they don't know if it's going to happen or not so they'll put a question mark at the end of it right jeff and sudden uh diphtheria scandal question mark <laughs> because uh viewers took to twitter to blah 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 blah. right and then they'll quote and maybe they would why even do they quote never the, quote us I don't, why we, we're why not, do you never quote us we're not timely enough because we're late and and clearly, I'm not funny enough. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, don't disagree with that too quickly. <laughs> I 
our final storyline tonight. This morning. I'm very proud of you. That's the first time you've done that this week. I don't think I got it wrong at all last week. I think I was on point last week. Probably, but still, I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's Shite Club. (laughs) Is that what we're still... Oh, yes. Yes. Shite Club. This is my preferred name for it. God, this is so dumb. (laughs) I mean, it gets... It gets better once we get out of the shite club bit and talk about the other bit. But it's so but, dumb. But not by much. So dumb. On Monday. Another morning, another attempt at making us interested in the David running away from things storyline. He runs into the kitchen. Gail thinks he's pushing himself too hard and suggests that he goes power walking instead with her and Audrey. He mentions something about Shona getting... Can you getting... imagine, David... It's it's like that time Tim went power walking with Sally and, and Gail. Remember when? That was funny. Because <laughs> they do this Helen thing. is miming power walking. Yeah, where they have their elbows bent. And they, you know, make these very quick, rapid little walks. And Tim had those little short shorts on. Oh, very short shorts. <laughs> it's weird she said her and Audrey, though, because Gail goes power walking with Sally, not with Audrey. I don't I don't think I've ever seen her power walking with Audrey. I don't think so. Either. Maybe maybe she said Sally. I don't know. Yeah. No, she said Audrey. It was weird. He mentioned something about Shona getting interviewed by her caseworker or some such and then goes off for a shower. Welcome to the to the Corey Bath and Shower League table, David. Coming in at the bottom with one point. <laughs> Shona's getting that interview that David mentioned. It's her care worker or something. I don't I don't know what to call her. I don't social do we know her name? Like a social, yeah, I guess. I don't Sh- think we know. Well, I think... I don't know. I don't know if we know her name. Shona seems to be doing really well and she wants to go home, but not to David. Back to the state that she grew up on and to Clayton. Shona seems to have forgotten that Clayton's in prison and she loses it quite dramatically when she's told that she can't see Clayton because Clayton's in prison. Right. Da- it may not be a good idea for her to see mm-hmm. Clayton in prison. Back at number eight, David comes off the phone. He's outraged that Shona's been taken, is going to be taken to see Clayton, the wee fucking troll who tried to kill her, he says, and she wants to move back to the state. Gail says, but her home's here. Well spotted, Gail. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, says David. Gail has called Sarah around because David's locked himself in his room and won't speak to her. Because he's 13. That was pathetic. He's Max. That was pathetic. He's Max now. He's locked himself in his room. That'll be him on the masturbating. <laughs> no, not this time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, I just hated that so much. It wasn't really the fact that he'd locked himself in the room. It was the fact that Gail was. Gail calls Sarah was from so work. Incapable of dealing with that situation, that she had to call in reinforcements. Right. What's Sarah going to do? David yeah. has a much, much better Sarah, relationship with Sarah. the baby of the family. The third child. Why don't we bring Bethany back to try and <laughs> coax Groundhog David out of his <laughs> locked room? Bethany, come back. Your Uncle David locked himself in his room and he's doing the masturbating. At this, David comes out, puzzled to see Sarah, and is off for yet another run. He already had a run today. Oh, and, and took a shower. 
At the prison, Shona is sitting with her care worker and along comes Clayton. Hiya mum, they said that we were allowed to give a quick hug, he says, but Shona is out of her seat in a flash. Who the fuck is this and what have you done with Clayton, Shona demands. She freaks the fuck out. Yep. Then Which we was see, great. Then we see David is standing in a ch- children's playground watching a small group of youths chattering. Yes, youths sitting around on their bikes. They're not selling drugs. They're no. just hanging out. Mm-hmm. These are not violent children. These are not... There's no weapons, no baseball bats. Everybody's well-dressed and clean. One of them looks at him and he approaches him and they think that he's a copper. Or a, a pedophile. <laughs> He pushes one of them over, throws a bike at another one, and then runs off. The youth's giving chase. What? One of them on a bike. What? Oh, just, I'm going to pick a fight with children the age of my son. Yeah, they look like 13 or 14 or so. They're just kids. On Wednesday, the chase is pointless and boring and goes through a factory warehouse thing in an industrial estate. A worker sees the chase and gets on the phone, presumably calling the police. David finally losing his pursuers by hiding on a shelf. Back in the prison, Shona seems to have calmed down. In her head, uh, Clayton's still a little boy. Clayton paints a very bleak picture of life inside, and Shona promises to get him care packages when she has enough money. The care worker watches on suspiciously. (laughs) Then some time has passed, and David jumps down from his hiding spot, but he's immediately spotted and cornered by the group. Yeah, this group of children. (laughs) Let's dance, says David. Oh God! I just, oh. Oh, I just wanted to switch off the TV so and, and just never, never watch television ever again. And then these youths, who have only been provoked by the throwing of a bicycle that somebody immediately gets back up on, oh, and one of them got, got pushed over a little bit. Oh, I'm amazed that they bothered chasing them. Seriously, they just brushed themselves and look. What's what the fuck is wrong problem? with this guy? As he runs off thinking he's being chased by a bunch of kids who are like, I think I hear my mom calling me for dinner. Right. So bad. Let's dance, says David. And they appear to do that, only very badly. The police show up and break it up, arresting them all for truly disgraceful dancing. (laughs) It's... We'll get to it. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Nobody seems to really throw any punches. They just kind of wrestle one another onto the ground, and then they're all rolling around on the ground. It's like the worst fight scene I've ever seen in my life. It's dreadful. And remember, and never forget this, it was uh, led into with the phrase, let's, <laughs> let's dance. dance. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. David Bowie is looking down from heaven, cursing, cursing the writers of Coronation Street. I'm not. I think everyone involved in the show has to take some responsibility for that. Duncan Jones posted on Twitter, apropos of nothing, this week, that one of his fondest memories of his dad is that uh, he used to eat like a whole roast chicken, like right down to the bones, including cracking the bones and sucking the marrow out. Like he'd eat the whole chicken. Can you imagine David Bowie just sitting at a table eating a whole roast chicken? I can imagine David Bowie going to Tesco's and buying a rotisserie chicken and eating it in the car on the way home. (laughs) I imagine that happened quite often. Haven't we all done that? (laughs) 
Meanwhile, Clayton has taken to spinning some lies about David, talking about his drinking, his affairs, and how he used to beat up Shona. The care worker intervenes and Clayton gets laid into her. What the fuck do you know? Then Shona protests, calling the care worker her friend. It's all too much for Shona, and she goes away, and she runs away, and Clayton shouts at her that she was a useless mum. So that went well. Yeah. You're right. You were a useless mum. This is all your fault. Later, David is released from the police station and Craig is angry that he was dancing with lads in the industrial estate. <laughs> David promises that he's learned his lesson and he won't be dancing like that again. He says he could have died. And I'm like, how <laughs> exactly? Can you die from you die from boredom? Is that what I could have died from those fourteen year old kids beating me up. <laughs> what? <laughs> But they weren't even beating you up. They were- I was more in danger of like running into a, a pylon or something in that factory <laughs> than getting Run, beat up. Like a forklift or something. Or, or one of those really slow steamrollers <laughs> from Austin Powers. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? Remember that? <laughs> Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Greg's like, you could have died. You're still a thing, Timbot4000. <laughs> Thank you, Timbot4000. Yes, Greg's like, you could have died doing that terrible, terrible dance on the floor of that factory. Oh my god. So, David realises how out of control it's got. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is stinking to high heaven. This was Wednesday. So bad. <laughs> so bad. It's time to hang up the spandex. What? In the rovers. Oh, that's right, because we're still pretending that he's like pretending to be a superhero by antagonizing youths and then running away from them. <laughs> yes, that's what superheroes do. Batman famously <clears throat> runs up to teenagers twerks her nipples and then runs away purple nipples <laughs> uh, in the rovers <sighs> Craig has blabbed to Sarah and David has given up on Shona ever coming back to him he just wants left alone and he leaves and Sarah that scene says, is hilarious because Kirk is still there and David's gonna buy him a drink but then David runs off because he's mad that Craig told Sarah and Kirk's like what about my drink <laughs> And then just the way that scene is shot where, you know, Craig is, is, is t- on way over on the other side of the bar, oh, God. turned away from the whole scene. It's just sitting there, staring off into space as David and Sarah talk behind him. And then... <laughs> it's Sarah- like a bad 80s music video. And then when Sarah approaches him, Craig senses that Sarah's approaching and just quarter turns. He doesn't turn all the way around to face her. He just quarter turns and says, Yay. I told you it was getting bad. <laughs> or I told you that. I told you it had gotten to this point or, or something like that. It's like, Craig, why do you care? He's not even bruised. David has not a scratch on him. <laughs> why does everybody think he could have died? Craig just looks so fucking serious about this. Am I missing something here? Did did I black out for like 15 minutes when something actually important happened or something serious happened? No. (sighs) This is so dumb. He was was hiding in a shelf in an industrial estate or a factory. The worst thing that could have happened is he got packaged up in an Amazon (laughs) box. 
Listen, worst thing that could have happened to him. <sighs> Back at the clinic or whatever, Shona is confused. Why is Clayton so full of hate? The care worker explains that according to David, she gave him chance after chance and yet always blew it. Shona doesn't know who to believe and then Sarah shows up uninvited and says, you can try listening to me. How did Sarah get there? Had, she was just in the she was just in the rovers and now she's driven two hours up the road to this oh yeah that's right. this place is really far away how did Sarah get there it was in Leeds wasn't yeah. it yeah what Shona remembers Sarah remember from they made such a big deal about it being so far away and David having to take a train all the way up there for t- two hours and then all the way back right <sighs> Shona remembers Sarah from a photo. Sarah is able to tell Shona that she and David were... Only her hair was different and she preferred it the other way. Yeah, Shona. All of a sudden, Shona has become Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. (laughs) She and David were broadly happy together, says Sarah. He wasn't a cheat and he was never violent. She tells him about David's rape and how she helped him get through it. And And Sarah needs Shona's help again. That was just weird too because she's like... You know, because uh, Shona says, uh, you know, did we ever did we ever fight or anything? And, and Sarah says, well, there was at one time you broke up, but that was because of the rape. And the care worker and Shona just go, what? what? <laughs> That's his brand new I was raped? It's like, no, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. I could see where you may have gotten that impression. But no, you were not raped. David was raped. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's fine then. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, Sarah needs Shona's help again. David could have died today. No, he couldn't have. <laughs> He's lost without her. Sarah continues to guilt this poor woman who is still in recovery and begs her to come home. Right. What? On Friday, David's on the phone with someone and he passes them on to Sarah. Shona wants to come visit but doesn't want David to be there, so he leaves. Sarah finds David in Roy's Rolls. Shona will be here at half past. Half past what? I'm not sure. Mm. David promises to stay away, but isn't over the moon about it. Sarah admits that Shona wasn't herself when she saw her. And Roy overhears all this and asks to pass on a message that he misses Shona. Later, Shona arrives back on the street for the first time since Christmas in the world's smallest passenger car. She sees a doorstep altercation between Tim's dad, Tim, (laughs) Alia and Ryan and says, So this is home. (laughs) Inside number eight, Shona's on the couch and David's sitting on her lap. None of this is familiar. Harry gives her a picture of a train and Shona calls it a piece of shit because apparently <laughs> when you lose your memory, you also lose the ability to be polite to a child. But so devastated is Shona at Harry's shit picture of a train, she decides that this isn't working. No, 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 because they then she goes on, on a tour. Yeah, but she says, oh, this isn't working. Right. Meanwhile, a frantic David is still at Roy's Rolls, but there's been no word from Gail on the plat chat. In the plat chat. He's had enough and he gets up and makes the leave. Roy tries to speak. David goes into a rant about how people say Shona is like a teenager, and we all know how teenagers behave. Roy tries to suggest something, but David cuts him off. He knows that he should uh, go at her pace, but he's tried that, and he can't sit around drinking coffee waiting for his wife to recognise him, and maybe sticking his face in the room would help. That's your choice, says Roy, but David says otherwise. He has no choice in this. He has no idea what he's doing. He's winging it, and again he goes to leave. And Roy says David's name, and David snaps. What pearls of wisdom about Shakespeare or trains does a famous Roy <laughs> Cropper want to import? <laughs> you forgot your coat, says Roy. David, David slumps in his chair. Another coffee, asks Roy. Better make it decaf, says David. Probably best, says Roy. <laughs> and that scene was incredible. That was the... <laughs> Yes. 
I love that's yeah. Look from all the <laughs> two discussions of trains in one week. The utter garbage that's <laughs> happened in this storyline up to this point. This one pearl. This really saved it for the week. One pearl. Shona has had a tour of the house but still recognises nothing. Gail is about to put the kettle on when Shona abruptly and quite aggressively announces that she'll do it and then catches herself when she realises that she knew where the tea bags were. Gail worries that it was just a guess but Shona thinks that she knew for sure. Shona goes out for air leaving Gail and her care worker to discuss that Shona's probably rung out from the today. Then they realise that Shona could be doing a runner and that's exactly what she's done. That was a care worker's fault. The care worker should have gone out with her. Right. It's like, it's like you know, they're talking. All of a sudden, the care worker says, do you have a gate in your back garden? Right. <laughs> and Gail's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> Sarah bursts into Roy's roles, asking if anyone's seen Shona. David is furious. What's going on? Don't be mad, says Sarah. <laughs> but mum's kind of lost Shona. And that... Unbelievably, that's how we finished this week's episodes. Where were Max and uh, Lily? Lily. I knew it started with an L and it ended in a Y. They didn't exist this week. Yeah. They should have been there because they really, they, Shona is, for all purposes, their mother. Mm-hmm. She's essentially adopted them mm-hmm. at this point. Why were they not there? Why does Harry get to be there? To give her a horrible picture of trains. <laughs> I wanted to see how bad that picture was. <laughs> For someone to remark that? on it. Was it not? It's, I mean, think about how a four-year-old child draws trains. They were basically yeah. just like rectangles at the bottom of the blue a sheet of, of construction paper. Right. <laughs> <sighs> not the most realistic depiction of trains ever. But still. I don't think anyone's going to look back at Shona's... Uh, reintroduction to the show and think well that was done well <laughs> I did appreciate all the uh, all the gratuitous shots of dogs we got this week because we got to see David and then we got to see um, what's Kirk and uh, Peanut Peanut yes because David almost runs Peanut over when oh. he's running by <laughs> yeah he almost plows right into Kirk and, and Peanut because Peanut's in like a little snuggly on, on Kirk's chest. <laughs> so cute. Gratuitous dogs always always win the show. I just I just wish we would have seen Rover. So now we and we got a mention of Eccles Cake, so that's almost Eccles. <laughs> well, Eccles is dead. Right. But so it's almost Eccles. That's Shona now reintroduced into the street. The street. Back into the show. Right. I guess it's just going to be our little old drip feed as our memory slowly comes back. Well, we have to find her first. <laughs> right. But this, I think, was uh, the end of a Wednesday. The end of the first part of a Wednesday. So mm-hmm. this isn't really supposed to be a big cliffhanger. No. Because we've been fooled by this before. Yes. Thinking that something significant was going to happen. She'll be around no. the corner or she'll be at Roy's or something. She'll be in the garden. She'll be in Victoria Gardens. Oh, the metaphorical yes. community garden, yeah. Yes, and there will be a fox there, and a hive of bees, and a butterfly. Or an elephant. A frog. An elephant to signify memory. There has yet to be another fox in that garden, mm. or on the street anywhere, that a fox has just wandered by. That'll be one of their lockdown stories, is all these foxes and, and other animals just roaming the streets of Coronation Street, like those goats and whales. 
and the bears, the bears in California and in the and New Jersey and stuff just wander in the streets. Lots and of pictures of bears and bears in people's pools. And all the assholes in Michigan <laughs> just wander in the streets. And people getting far too close to fawns and taking pictures of them. Uh, we've been rambling on for quite some time. Yes. Uh, yes, we have. Moment of the week was obviously David, David and Roy. David and Roy. Yep. That's, it just writes itself, doesn't it? I, I think we all knew that David was answering questions that Roy wasn't asking. Yeah. I think we all knew that. But yeah. it was delightful how long they dragged it out for and how... Uh, how the emotion of David's responses was was rising and rising. Right. I, thought, I thought he did a fantastic job. Absolutely. And, and the kind of the juxtaposition of Roy's very emotionless, mm-hmm. stoic kind of face in response to it was a was a. They both have balanced very They both well. have really good comedic timing. Yeah, the timing was fantastic. They both have. You know who else has really good comedic timing? It's Nina. Yeah. Because her scenes. You know, her few scenes this week were were very funny. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when somebody asks her where she got her ribbon from. And I can't remember who gave it to her. Oh, it was Carla. Oh, yeah, it was Carla. And she And she says something about she'll get her revenge on right. her. <laughs> and the person's like... Oh, that's really good. Okay. <coughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. The boring moment of the week. Oh, gosh. David getting beat up by 14-year-old kids. Uh, or saying, let's dance. Well, that was just a cringe. Or throwing a bicycle. Or watching a group of 14-year-old kids on a playground creepily. Either way, it's David in some shape or form. Or is it... Um, oh, what was really boring from another storyline? There was something else that was really... Oh, oxtail soup. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, oxtail soup is our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. I haven't written an outro again. I yeah. keep on forgetting to do that. It's fine. If you've ever danced with a group <laughs> of 14-year-old boys in a factory for no good reason... Don't tell us. Tell your Call therapist. The <laughs> If you've ever lost your little red car in a in a football bag. <laughs> we are the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, which is also how you can get in touch with us through voicemail on Skype. Or if you want to leave a couple of badgers in our virtual tip jar, you can do couple that of badgers? through PayPal. Yeah, a couple of pounds. Ah. You're a badger. We are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more Talk of the Talk Street. Of the street. Bye. Cheerio.